Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good morning, everyone. It's Monday, December 5th, 2022. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary. Uh, as a reminder, you can follow me intraweek on either Twitter or LinkedIn if there are posts or commentary that uh, we decide to make in between this weekly commentary. Uh, presentation has been prepared for use by you, whether you are an investor or a financial advisor. Regardless, you're expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is provided only for informational purposes only, and its accuracy, adequacy, or completeness cannot be guaranteed. Okay, let's get into it. We had a strong positive week in equity prices again, emerging markets leading the way up about 3.5%. On a year-to-date basis, now both domestic small and mid-cap stocks are only single-digit negative, with the S&P 500 still being down 13%. Usually, in a bear market, small and mid-cap stocks uh, perform worse. What's going on here? A little bit of a rotation out of the mega-cap, big-cap tech stocks, and currently a little bit of value bargain hunting in some of the mid and small cap areas. International markets fully participating to the downside. Fixed income uh, found a bid last week, was up strongly as the yield on the 10-year treasury got all the way down to under 3.6%. And if you remember, it was just a couple of weeks ago, we were at about 4.2% on that 10-year uh, treasury. Okay, let's get into the economic data because there was a lot of it last week. There's a lot of data first off in housing. FHFA uh, home price index rose a tenth of a percent. That was a surprise. We had had two massive down months. We all thought we would get a third down month. The estimate was for minus 1.2%. Uh, and all regions except New England were higher. That was a real surprise in the month of September. Moving on to S&P Case-Shiller Index, we did get a third consecutive monthly decline there. Uh, the index fell 1.24% right along, right, right in line rather with uh, expectations of a 1.2%. Still, home prices in both uh, methods of measurement are higher on a year-over-year -year basis, uh, but we are seeing cuts to prices across the board. Uh, obviously, volume way, way, way down as interest rates and mortgage rates have uh, gone up, although they moderated, obviously, the last couple of weeks. Homes uh, for sale or pending sale actually fell 4.6% in October. That was a little bit less than expected, but this uh, number has been on a downward decline now for almost a year. Uh, they're down 37% from those high, high, high rates uh, back when interest rates were zero in the rush uh, the rush to get in before the Fed started to make moves. Uh, consumers are not totally confident about things right now. In November consumer confidence fell from 102.2 to 100.2, about in line with expectations. Uh, consumers responding to the survey said their present situation is worse off, and their expectations are for that to continue. They're not expecting a big rebound 
in the economy in 2023, and nor are we for that matter. But let's talk about it. We got a great uh, revised higher third quarter GDP number. It was revised from a 2.6% gain to a 2.9%. And quite frankly, when I look at the Atlanta Fed GDP now tracker, which I keep on my screen, uh, we're looking for an even higher number uh, expected for this quarter that's about to end at the end of December. Personal consumption was revised higher. That was a big driver of that change from 2.6 to 2.9. Went from 1.4 to 1.7. Service spending increased. A little bit of decline in spending on goods as inflation pressures moderated. And a big contributor was net exports as the dollar's uh, you know, massive increase moderated somewhat. We also got an awful lot of data last week on uh, <clears throat> on the jobs front, on the employment situation. Job openings are finally coming off an almost uh, almost 12 million rate, and they're down down to 10.3 as companies scale back expectations for growth. CEOs are at a, a point of um, I'd say pretty high pessimism for 23 and 24. Remember, the Fed has uh, increased interest rates on the Fed funds rate substantially. Uh, they are uh, deprinting money, shredding money, if you will, by running off their balance sheet every single month at a very high rate. Uh, so it makes sense that hiring plans will scale back. This will serve to continue to close that gap in the uh, job openings versus um, uh, unemployed, which is a substantial inflationary pressure on the economy. And we're going to continue to see that come down. Personal income and spending was reported for October. Personal income rose seven tenths of a percent. That was above expectations. Personal spending up eight tenths of a percent, also above expectations. And so it's it's interesting. We're trying to slow the economy, but because of that mismatch in the labor market and because we still have very very low unemployment, we still have continued uh, personal spending. That's just the way it's going to be. Okay, speaking of uh, personal things, personal consumption expenditures, PCE, this is an inflation measure. It's actually the preferred inflation measure for the Federal Reserve to determine whether or not they're meeting their statutory mandate of price stability. Now, the Fed defines price stability internally as 2%, right, where I'm taking this little red uh, dot here. And so we are you know, well above the 2%. The number is coming down, but in October, we had a surprise, uh, rose three-tenths of a percent, uh, now up 6% from a year ago. But they're more concerned with core, that's the red line, which as you can see has been hovering around 5% for almost a year now. And at this time, uh, the year-over-year -year gain is still 5%, but we were up two-tenths two of a percent in October. That was a tenth percent better than expected. So we are seeing, again, continued decline in the inflationary pressures in the economy. Now, uh, manufacturing is starting to really roll over. It's rolling over for a couple of reasons. Number one, the big surge from the reopening, which was subsequently followed by um, supply chain disruption, shortages, and pretty much everything that drove a lot of the inflationary pressures, that's all rolling over and rolling over hard question is, is it rolling us over into a recession? And, uh, you know, the, the odds are decent, yes, uh, sometime in 23 or 24 at this point, uh, unless the Fed suddenly and unexpectedly reverses course. Uh, and the only way they would suddenly and unexpectedly reverse course is if they can. And they would define that, that if they can moment as inflation really coming down further, harder and faster than it already has. 
Chicago PMI, which is a good indicator for where the national PMIs go, you can see back here in 20, all the way down into the low 30s, we had a recession. Well, we're all the way down to 37.2. Uh, so that may be an indicator of the recession uh, that's going to come next year. ISM manufacturing uh, fell into contractive territory, contraction territory, came in at 49.0. Uh, the estimate was 49.7. New orders are in contraction. Production time fell a little bit. Employment also fell into contraction. That will help with some of the uh, wage-driven inflationary pressures in the economy. S&P Global also uh, released its U.S. manufacturing PMI last week, which also dipped into contraction at 47.7. But the big focus last week was on employment. It was on the, um, the ADP report and the Bureau of Labor Statistics report, which came out on Friday. But let's start with weekly initial claims for unemployment. They fell from 241 to 225. So this is the, this is the thing. Um, you know, we are aggressively raising rates. We're running off the balance sheet. Manufacturing is, is contracting. Uh, but because the consumer is still strong, because there haven't been the mass layoffs, and we, we just aren't seeing it, weekly jobs claims at 225,000. For that reason, the recession we're likely to have is, is probably going to be very mild. The case in which it wouldn't be very mild would be if inflation is, is more persistent than it appears it will be and causes the Fed to overhike, over-tighten, just the way they over-loosened back during the COVID uh, economic shutdown. Continuing claims rose to $1.6 million in um, last week. Now, the two jobs reports. Let's start with ADP. Private payrolls, according to ADP, exceeded estimates, grew 127,000. Service was 213,000. Goods-producing jobs fell 86,000. Um, and it's interesting. This was one of the key nuggets I pulled out of the ADP report from Neela Richardson, the chief economist. Neela said that turning points can be hard to capture in the labor market. Our data suggests the Fed tightening is having an impact on job creation and pay gains. That's what the Fed wants to hear in order to slow down the rate hikes. Remember, we have a meeting in December, no meeting in January, and then the very first week of February, we have uh, a Fed meeting. So it's likely uh, that the Fed sees this. Of course, they do. They see the data as well. And if we're at that turning point, I think the Fed would be well-guided to stop the big hikes, uh, slow them down, let the economic data and economic activity catch up to what they've done, We'll see if that happens. The Bureau of Labor Statistics report, that's the government jobs report, said that non-farm payrolls grew 263,000, and then they upwardly revised the October gain to 284,000. So uh, I remember years ago, we would have economic recoveries, and people would call it a jobless recovery because economic activity was picking up, the manufacturing, everything was picking up, but employment was not. So what do we call this? The the layoffless, uh, you know, recession, uh, because that's what's happening. We just still have that mismatch in the labor market. Even though everything is slowing down considerably, we're adding to the jobs um, picture. And I think there was a lot of hand-wringing over this report uh, on Friday. It's too strong. The Fed's going to have to keep uh, raising rates. Uh, I think the Fed is wise enough to see the same data that we will, and I'm not overly concerned about them 
overdoing it, especially just knowing the nature and makeup of the participants. They're, I think their general persuasion is to be very dovish, and that's how we got in this position in the first place. So I don't see um, particularly uh, a hawkish bias by this Fed, uh, even though they're acting hawkishly now as a reaction to inflationary pressures. Automobile sales uh, came in at a 14.1 million annualized rate. Still working out, making you can see some improvement here uh, from the supply chain issues. Speaking of the supply chain issue, I have shown you all this graph um, pretty much every month for about two years in this uh, presentation. The white line represented backlog of orders, of manufacturing orders. And so we had orders backed up. This was causing massive inflation because inventories, the orange line, were at essentially an all-time low. So we have now gotten for all the way from backlogs at 70 all the way down to 40. Inventories from the 20s all the way up to almost 50. So the supply chain side of the inflation equation, meaning we just can't make this stuff fast enough, we'll raise the prices, whatever, that's done, that's over with, and that is going to serve to continue to bring down those massive CPI and core PCE and PCE um, increases. So this is good news. Uh, I would say the supply chain issues are in the macro over. I'm sure there are industry-specific micro instances of uh, supply chain issues, but at this point, uh, we've certainly moved beyond that. So our short, short and intermediate term view, you know my long-term view. My long-term view is I'm a, just a great believer in American capitalism and a great believer in investing in, um, in equities, not only in the United States but around the world. The upward march of human freedom has been measured and quantified in um, stock markets throughout history and will continue to, be, to do so. But in the short to intermediate term view, we kind of are not as aggressive. Well, why? Because of the actions that the Fed is taking, because we have to reset after this period of inflation. The market has experienced a, re a relief rally um, since uh, early October, and it's because the, there's this visibility that the Fed is not going to continue to raise rates at 75 basis points. They've had the intended effect, and we're seeing it in the manufacturing numbers. We're seeing it uh, in the inflation numbers, and thank goodness we're not seeing it in the uh, in the jobs numbers. So now I think the market, which has been fixated on what's when is the end of the Fed outsized hikes, now they're going to move to 50 and then quickly to 25, and then and then pause. In my opinion, the focus is now going to move to earnings and to economic growth. So we're going to get earnings season starting about a month from now, early January. Prior to that, though, I think there's going to be a number of companies that begin to guide lower and pre-announce that they may not meet their, their earlier estimates, or at least when they report earnings in January, will begin to guide lower for 23. CEOs are definitely scaling back on expansion and risk-taking. Add on to that that the valuation for the stock market is, is fair. Some might even argue it's a little on the high side based on history and where we are with interest rates. We were at a 420 on the 10-year. Now we're at a 360 on the 10-year. So that makes stocks a little more valuable. But the bottom line is the Fed is getting restrictive, raising rates and running the balance sheet. And they're going to do that until such time as there's compelling, indisputable evidence that inflation has come down. 
So we don't have a Fed tailwind. We don't have a Fed put. Um, Fed's going to continue to run up the balance sheet, as I said. So based on all of that, I, you know, I don't think there's any reason to get overly aggressive in uh, moving into 2023. And as you all know from my commentary last week, we recently reduced risk assets and equity exposure again uh, this year. And we'll continue to watch and see if it makes sense or merits uh, further action uh, as we move over the next couple of months. I'll leave you with one final graph for the week. This is the conference board's U.S. leading economic index, the month-over-month change. And this is a chart that goes all the way back to pre-financial crisis. And economic, the leading economic in- indicator has been a pretty good indicator at determining when things aren't going so hot. And so as you get that economic slowdown, that's deflationary. It reduces inflationary pressure in the economy. Look at 08. Uh, it was going down. It got into this negative territory. And sure enough, we had a very big and deep recession. I don't think it's going to be anything like that because we had a complete insolvency of the world of the U.S. banking system. That's not the case today. It also turns and goes higher during that recession as a really good uh, buying indicator or an increased equity indicator. Then we move along, you know, happily here for over a decade. We have the COVID crisis and the leading economic index plunges turns massively higher, very, very short, shallow recession related to COVID. But here we are again trailing, and we've gotten negative. Uh, and that just to me is the time for a little bit of caution. Don't be too aggressive. There's no reason to panic, no reason to sell. We don't try to time markets here. We try to, on the margin, uh, increase or decrease risk, and we tend to do it over a slow, uh, steady period of time. And that's what we've done here um, this year. Okay, uh, in terms of data this week, last week was all about manufacturing, so this week will be all about services. We'll get S&P Global, we'll get ISM, we'll then get factory orders, that's all today. Trade deficit Tuesday, maybe a little improvement there, that's been helping GDP. Uh, Productivity, labor costs, and consumer credit on Wednesday, jobless claims Thursday, as always. PPI, that's probably one of the biggest ones we're going to get this week. What's going to happen with producer prices um, wholesale inventories and consumer sentiment. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll be back to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.